0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Good Good Judgment Judgment Podcast. Podcast.
1: Hello, folks. Welcome back to the Good Judgment Podcast. I'm Wade Padgett.
0: And I'm Tane Kell. So let me get this straight. We're able to return to the motherland known as Athens, Georgia. But for some reason, we're recording this episode via Zoom because we can't make our respective schedules
1: work in a way that lets us go to Athens. Do
0: I have that right, Wade?
1: Unfortunately, Tane... That's correct. We have a series of episodes dealing with evidence that we need to record and have available by the time we lead NGO in December. And because we're both dealing with the massive backlog of cases and all the other things that fit into our lives, we had to return to Zoom. I hope the the quality is okay for everybody. All right. I get it. I'm just excited to talk
0: about our favorite topic, though. We're talking about evidence. Wade, Tell everybody what fun and exciting evidence topic we're going to discuss on this episode.
1: Well, rather than deal with a particular evidence section or a rule, I thought it might be good to deal with how judges should look at electronic evidence such as, let's say, social media and how it can be introduced and how judges should review those sort of
0: submissions. Well, Lord knows we have social media posts and comments tendered as evidence all the time in every type of case, but... I have a sneaking feeling we might get into more evidence issues than merely social media posts. I read the show notes. So uh, let's get started.
1: Oh, cheater. All right. So in this evidence series that we have recorded for veteran judges and for our new judges who are going to attend at NJO, we have stressed. And all you lawyers
0: out there, too. We don't
1: forget you. Thank you for
0: being there. Yeah, you. it, it probably, it probably helps us see how we think. My mom quit listening on episode one. She got like 10 minutes in and quit. But anyway, go ahead, Wade.
1: So we have stressed that the judge needs to have a process for dealing with evidence issues that arise in court. You know, Tane, like we were talking about what sort of questions the judge should ask so they don't overlook something.
0: That's right, Wade. You know, we're not attempting to teach evidence like it was taught to us in law school. Thank I God. recall fondly, I know, right? I recall fondly the professor introducing a topic and we would spend a week or two dealing with that single topic within the larger umbrella of evidence. While we're doing some of that in this series, in this episode, we're going to look at a particular type of evidence and the issues that arise for the judge to consider when the evidence is tendered.
1: To be honest, many times when evidence involving social media, text messages, emails, direct messages, Facebook posts, and all that are tendered, there aren't any objections raised. Tane, one of the big things that we should recall under the evidence code and where we actually started with episode one in this series Is that the evidence code requires a contemporaneous objection, right?
0: Yep, that is a part of Rule 103, which requires a contemporaneous objection. And there are cases on that, like Croyle versus the state and some other cases, uh, Williams versus Harvey. We also recorded a prior episode on the topic of contemporaneous objections, which was recorded uh, around June, I believe, of this year and published uh, just earlier this month on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and all your favorite podcasting platforms.
1: Don't forget Spotify. That's right. We love our Spotify. So way back in the summer of 2017, Tane, we were just babies. And we were at a presentation at the summer conference And the presenter in that particular episode that I'm thinking about was Carrie Christie with Rutherford and Christie in Atlanta. And I am going to absolutely shamelessly plug her and let everybody know I looked at those materials and used them as a basis. Shout out. They did a great job. I remembered it. I kept it. And now I have used it again. All credit goes there.
0: We have now successfully avoided an allegation of plagiarism.
1: Go ahead, Wade. When presented with social media posts, uh, let's let's use a Facebook post, Tane, as an yeah. example. It's it's equally let's ign- Facebook. Nobody uses Facebook anymore except
0: the old people.
1: I thought that was Go MySpace.
0: Ahead. No, no, the MySpace was is for your grandparents. Facebook is for your parents. Oh. Everything else is for you and me.
1: The, then you know the, all of this would be equally applicable to Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, text messages, Snapchat. <laughs> it's so funny when you learn a new word. <laughs> and and it's the only social media I'm on.
0: LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn too.
1: Anyway, go ahead. When presented with a social media post, and you get a contemporaneous objection, the judge should tain do your echo voice. Rely, rely lie 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 on the, process, on the process, process. process, folks. Rely on a process. You're, there are times, and Tain, I know you, you and I, this never happens to us, but I have heard that sometimes judges are doing some other things during the trial, like getting the jury charges ready or, you know, some stuff like that. I used and, to have a colleague who scrapbooked during trial, but anyway, go ahead. And all of a sudden they go, objection. And you go, oh my God, what were they talking about? So if you rely on this process, that will help you. If you also don't have a clue what the law is on this issue, this will help you. Please rely on this process. So, Tane, give them the overview of everything they need to think about, and then we will break it down. Okay?
0: absolutely. So 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 here are the here are the points. Number one, is the social media relevant under Rule 401? And we'll talk about that in a minute. Number two, is it authentic under Rule 901?
1: If it is offered for the truth of the matter asserted in that post, then is it hearsay under rule 801? Remember, we've had a whole episode on defining what is and is not hearsay.
0: Two episodes, in fact.
1: Word. And if it is hearsay,
0: does it fit within any exception under rules 803, 804, or 807?
1: Quick reminder 803 is the exceptions to the hearsay rule. 804, and it doesn't matter if the person is the declarant is unavailable. 804. Is only applicable if the declarant is unavailable. And then 807 is that residual exception.
0: Yeah, it ends of justice. So, number four, the fourth thing you should uh, go through in this process is the form of the evidence, that is, screenshot, copy, whatever, is it an original? And if it's electronic evidence, there's You know, there's really it's going to be a secondary original, I guess, is what we're going to call it. But is it an original or a duplicate that is admissible under Rule 1001 through 1008?
1: Tame, what is what's the old handle for Rules 1001 through 1008 that we learned in law school? Oh, man, the uh, best evidence rule. Yeah,
0: best evidence rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. You know why you don't remember that? Because it never I've comes pushed, up
0: anymore. That's right. I've pushed it out of my mind now, Wade, because it doesn't come up. And, and number the, five. Yeah, tell them the about number la- five. That's the biggest. Yeah, number five is big. Um, so under rule 403, is the probative value substantially outweighed by the danger of unfair prejudice? Understand, we've talked about 403 in a bunch of different contexts over time um, with a bunch of different rules. But there is a 403 analysis that's required in... Really, uh, almost all of these circumstances after you've made the determination, that's the next thing you do. So, so let's go back and talk about some of these.
1: So, Tane, we nor- we're, we're going to get in the weeds, I promise. I know you want to roll around in the weeds, but let's start I with do. the thousand foot perspective, the process overall. OK, if anything can be gleaned from all of these evidence episodes, we, we have to reinforce the message that the judge should engage in a process when evaluating evidence objections. Tane, tell them why. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it not
0: only makes a good record, but it also ensures that you as the judge don't overlook some required analysis or some rule application. And also, it's really just a good way to act as a judge. I mean, it, it's kind of like the way that, you know, eventually you go through a, a, a guilty plea and you know it by heart, but you still want to look at it on the paper and do everything in the same order so that you don't forget anything. You don't skip a
1: question attacking an evidence rule presented like in the manner that we're going to talk about today and the way that frankly Miss Christie talked talked about it when when we had that presentation is the same we have a, reiterated in this entire series. So you start with what tang relevance. If it's not relevant, it does
0: not come in. Period end of analysis. Is it
1: relevant? If it's relevant, is it authentic? Now, we have recorded prior episodes on authentication. Remember, it's a low hurdle, but it is a hurdle nonetheless. Could a reasonable jury or a fact finder find that the item is what the proponent claims it to be? That's Millich's definition. Remember, it's entirely possible that the thing is a fake. It's a spoof. It wasn't really, it was all made up. That's for cross-examination to work through. As a preliminary matter, you're the gatekeeper. You are not the final decision maker, judge. Decide, is it what the proponent claims it to be? If so, let it in and let the system work.
0: Yeah, I mean I had an example of this the other day where somebody was saying, "Well, judge, this photograph can't come in because he wasn't the photographer." And I'm like, "Look, that is literally 1950. <laughs> that that is when we were using the little Brownie camera that the image was upside down. <laughs> yeah, or at least one of the little magic cubes. Most of you guys who who are out there don't even know what I'm talking about, but but literally you don't have to call the photographer anymore to authenticate something to have it placed into evidence.
1: So stop using that objection, people. So Tane, if it's re- if it's relevant and it's authentic, then on only then do you reach hearsay,
0: right? That's exactly right. Those are the first two analyses you go through. Then you go to hearsay.
1: And we've talked about that exhaustively. If it is hearsay, does it come under an exception? That is 803, 804, 807. Again, whole episode on that. Feel free to enjoy that at your leisure. Yes. The next thing we
0: look at is if it is relevant, authentic, and admissible under the hearsay rule, the next thing you look at is, is there any issue with the form of the evidence? I.e., is it an original versus a copy? And if you thought authentication was a low hurdle, introducing a copy is merely a speed bump, and it's not usually even really an issue.
1: I can't um, tell you, Tain. how many times has somebody said, judge, he threatened me. Here's the text message right here on my phone. You want to hold it? Yeah.
0: Or here's a video and they just start playing it and hold up their phone. And uh, I'm like, they hold it to the microphone, right? Yeah. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. And I, i just again, we've talked about this before, but I've had lawyers do that. Hey, get your phone and show the judge the video. No, 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 no. We, we're not doing that unless you, you can enter your phone into evidence. Yeah, we
1: have to get the charging cable and whether it's a right, lighting. That's got to go up. Yeah, that's
0: got to go up to the Court of Appeals. Charging cables got to go up. Everything's you know, got to go up. Oh, okay. and by the way, everything else on your phone is also fair game. Yeah, we need the password.
1: TV. You got to do your thumbprint or whatever, face print, whatever. It, the right. whole thing is, guys best evidence rule, we're going to talk about it, but it's not much of a hurdle. It is at speed bump at best. But now, and the thing that we have talked about, and we're going to wear out, hopefully on this episode, because we need our folks to remember this, is if it's relevant, it's authentic, it's admissible under hearsay, there's no issue with the form of the evidence, does it come in under Rule 403? Remember, 403 is an issue on all evidence, not just social media, not just hearsay, all evidence that comes in. And if you follow this process, Tane, almost Any evidentiary objection dealing with tangible evidence, things you can touch, you're probably going to render a good result, don't you think?
0: Yeah. And at the very least, the appellate courts are going to go, you know what? This guy knows what he or she is talking about.
1: So let's talk about the first element, Wade. Relevancy. This is going to be that weeds part. So we know the evidence, the rules of evidence actually state the obvious point. Rule 402 says all relevance, Relevant evidence is admissible, except as limited by constitutional requirements or otherwise provided by this law or other rules as prescribed pursuant to constitutional or statutory authority applicable in the court in which a matter is presented. Let me get the first sentence in the last or the first phrase in the last. All eleva- relevant evidence. I'm sorry. I fell, I fell asleep there for a second while you were reading that. It's hard. It's really hard. All That's relevant so evidence shall be admissible. Evidence that is not relevant shall not be admissible. You wouldn't think we'd have to make a rule, but we had to make a rule. So we've made a rule. <laughs> so tane, tell tell everybody what the 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 tane definition of what makes evidence relevant. You may want to start with like the legal definition and then the tane definition.
0: Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about rule 401 first. So rule 401 says evidence having any tendency to make the existence of any fact that is of consequence to the determination of the action more probable or less probable than it would without the evidence. You know, <laughs> that's a really wordy way of saying
1: every time a statue decided an angel gets his wings. Oh, thank you. So um, the wordy way
0: it, it's pretty wordy, huh? Yeah, yeah and and it it's sort of overstating something that's a little bit simpler than that. So talk talk about the the degrees of
1: relevance Wade. So basically some things are binary, right? Some things is or they're not. They're, they they either they either are hearsay or they're not hearsay, right? Right. To hear Jeff Foxworthy tell it, shout out that some you either are a redneck, are you ain't one, right? right. Yes. And so, but with relevancy, there's degrees of relevancy. Just because right. something doesn't prove slam dunk, reverse slam, bam, everything about that issue, that doesn't mean it's not coming in. It's not relevant at some level. Some right. slam slam dunk, others are just layups, Tane. Sometimes it's yeah. just a layup. That's right. Well, as the statute
0: said, some things may tend to prove that something is more probable or less probable or likely. And and that evidence is still relevant. I mean, that that, that is part of the definition of things that are relevant.
1: So Tane, I'm gonna give us an example to work with. And if you need to you know add your flair to it, let me know. So let's assume and are we having a make make believe trial of some point and there's an issue of adultery. That's relevant for some reason, okay? Hardly ever comes up, but okay. Yeah, right. And Facebook post, FB for you cool kids, a Facebook post showing the defendant posing with a female other than the plaintiff wife after the date of marriage, but before the trial, and it bearing a caption, my girl, sing it, Tang. My girl,
0: my girl, talking about my girl, my girl. Ooh. How much of it do you be,
1: want me to sing, way? That was enough. Okay. It says my girl, does that prove adultery thing? No, but it might
0: tend to prove or disprove degrees of adultery or potential for adultery. So is it relevant? Wade?
1: It's relevant. It's not the slam dunk, but it's going to be right. important. We need to talk about it. And as we keep putting, uh, some, some lipstick on this pig, it'll get, it'll get even more relevant as we go through our examples. But now Tane, let's talk about the other examples in a case where a plaintiff claims disability as a result of a tort. You've had these cases where there's a photo, right? Oh yeah. Video in one of my cases
0: uh, way back when I was a lawyer, but you have a, you have a photo of the plaintiff participating in a mud run or a CrossFit competition post-accident. Um, you know, it's not the slam dunk, but. It's pretty relevant to uh, the issues in the case.
1: Defendant in the criminal case posts that photo of him wearing the sneakers. Maybe it's on the Snapchat, as the kids call it. Uh, him wearing the sneakers that were stolen during the burglary. On a date after the burglary. That's relevant. It, it doesn't prove they, he stole them.
0: A, you'd have to take a screenshot of it on Snapchat because Snapchat
1: disappears after. God, you are so that you, hip. <laughs> that's, <laughs> what you're, that's, that's what your son says, right? Yeah, exactly. All says right, that. let's move right. to authentication. Yeah, let's do. So we th- discussed this a bunch, Tane. I mean, you remember those cases where we took whole cases and we broke them down? Um, you Dude, know, that was cool. Yeah, I it thought was really, it was.
0: That was some of our best work, Wade. It really was.
1: And so, yeah. since we've already done that, let's just briefly touch this whole authentication thing. Tane, is authentication a guarantee that the thing is not ghosted or or spoofed or faked?
0: No, again, like you said a minute ago, that that's really an issue for cross-examination and for the presentation of other evidence. Um, but it doesn't mean it hasn't been appropriately authenticated for admission in the case. Professor Millich Professor
1: says, Mi- <laughs> I mean, are you with me? I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Professor Millich basically says, could a reasonable fact finder find that the Facebook post from the opposing party is what it claims to be? If, if so, let it in, then let the cross-examination process work. If not, keep it out. Remember, Tane, you may remember this, the low tech method and the high tech method of doing authentication. Do you remember the high tech method? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Under the high tech method, uh, which is rarely used because of cost, an expert comes in from Facebook or some other computer expert comes in and establishes that someone using a particular IP address posted the information on X date and that the Facebook account had a password that was known by the poster, etc., you might occasionally see this method in cases involving child pornography or things like that, because the computer experts come in and they seize the offending computer and they show when certain content was downloaded and where it was stored and those sorts of things. And they can also establish whether that particular computer IP address or whatever it might be was used to post things on the internet. So, you know, that's not going to happen in just your run of the mill divorce
1: case or the things that we see more often where these things are trying to be used. The low tech method, and the one that you're gonna see, is the parties can establish that authentication. Although I gotta be honest with you, I rarely see anybody do it correctly. Usually the information is authenticated by looking at the account itself. For example, on Facebook, does the page contain the actual photo of the party? Does it include his known nickname, address, high school, relatives, friends? <coughs> Does the page include parts of conversations that can be verified as having been carried out, like an exchange with a sister about her wedding, and then you know she got married? Go into a UGA football game, evidence of that attendance. Is there like another photo of them at the UGA game on that Saturday where they played the yellow team? Who knows? If so, well, it's likely that post was made by that party on, by that, party, on that party's Facebook page, and that's going to come in and we move along. Yeah, and
0: that happens frequently when we're when people are trying to admit texts, and they say, "Are you familiar with the person's telephone number?" And they say, "Yes." And they say, "Is that their telephone number at the top of the page or, or at the top of the text?" Yes, that's them. Or is this is this what you have them in your phone as? And yes, it is. You know, so, you know, sweet baby or whatever the name is at the top of the page.
1: Um, sometimes they're not that nice. Sometimes the the nicknames. Sometimes, though, just remember, it's not enough to say this is John. And then it, give it some other, give it a little more. There's no magic amount that you have to have three verifications or four verifications or six verifications. It's just got to be something. What what the law, now, if you want to get into what the law says it is, the cases have called it circumstantial evidence taken as a whole. That would then allow for the authentic, authentication. Now, Tane... Um, in this outline, there are a bunch of citations. There are a bunch of cases, statutes. If you want to, this is going to be posted on the internet and and you're going to be able to get to it. We're not going to read all these cases and all these sites because we don't want you to try to find a pen and write it down, right?
0: Yes. But what you can do is go to goodjudgepod.com. That's goodjudgepod.com. And all of these citations will be available there for you as soon as
1: Wade and I finish putting them up on the website. And now we'll pause for a word from our sponsors. Oh yeah, we don't have those.
0: Folks, this is Wade and Tain, and you're listening to the Good Judgment Podcast on the World Wide Web. As always, you can find our outlines for these podcasts as well as supplemental materials on our website at goodjudgepod.com. We'd love to have your feedback about the podcasts at our email at goodjudgepod at gmail.com. And we're always looking for suggested podcast topics. Feel free to submit your suggestions to us at goodjudgepod at gmail.com. Operators are standing by. And remember, if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to like us... And follow us on your favorite podcasting platform, and
1: tell all your friends. And now back to the action. Next, so we've got it authenticated. Let's talk about hearsay, just just real quick. Absolutely, we've already talked about it. it's an out of court statement offered to prove the truth of the matter asserted. We have a whole episode or more on that. In our example in on this one foot- sentence,
0: we have a whole episode yeah. for that
1: one sentence exactly. And <laughs> yeah. our example on the Facebook post, you know, the my girl caption. You want to sing it again? My girl. All right, so there is a photo of husband with another woman. Does it matter whether the lady in the photo is actually his girl? Is that offered to prove that he that she is his girl? What does that even mean? Is that misogynistic? You know, all that? No, That's not the statement that's being offered. That's not why the statement, that's not the statement being made and why it is being offered. Let me give you another example. Say, if you ask yourself, well, what is the statement being made? Let me give you another example. On Facebook, I post a picture of me with friends at a UGA game, and the caption says, dogs are the best. Dogs are number one. Which we know they are. Well, they actually are and right actually, now.
0: factually, right, They're right now, they right are right. number one. But I don't know when this podcast airs, if that will be true. But they are right now, as we're recording this.
1: So... I say dogs are the best. Does that mean that the statement I am making is that the dogs are the best team under forever and ever in all circumstances? No. More likely, the statement I'm making is that I went to the game with my buddies. And look at our great seats. In the My Girl photo, the statement that is being made is that the husband was with this lady on the date in question. If you can parlay it from where they're sitting, like the background picture where they are. That's it. That's the statement that's being made. But, Wade, let's not
0: leave the offered for the truth of the matter asserted issue just yet. Let's assume for a minute that the husband testified that he was out of town on a work-related trip on the date that the photo was taken. I don't know. Assume it was on New Year's Eve and everyone was wearing Happy New Year hats or the name of the bar, which is actually in town, was in the background of the photo. It doesn't matter whether the quote-unquote statement made by the post was true. It matters when the photo was taken. Therefore, under those facts, you as the judge never reached the issue of hearsay exceptions because the statement wasn't offered for its truth. It was offered to disprove that on the date in question, the husband was not actually on a work-related trip to
1: Omaha. Why does everybody go to Omaha? What's in Omaha for all these work people to have to go to? there's it a state is supposed company. supposed
0: to be one of the greatest places to visit ever i'm just saying that i don't have any idea i people mean, yeah, not want people to go to omaha. so this so maybe we've it's established that, maybe it's that, that insurance company that mutual of omaha I'm omaha steaks omaha yeah omaha steaks those are Delicious. Anyway, all right. So I'm we have established so that all, sponsor us, way. <laughs> we need a sponsor, <laughs> don't we? You sponsor Eric Erickson. Maybe they'd sponsor us. I don't
1: know. Anyway, go ahead. So I'm, we've I'm, establ- established established, Tane, that all statements aren't verbal, right? You talked about the Absolutely. shoulder shrug and the point and the telling somebody they're number one by using your middle finger. Yeah. They can be written. Statements can. They can be photos. They could be sure. head shakes, head nods, all that. Just don't forget that a st- I think people assume a statement must be verbal, and that's just simply not true. The question is, whatever I said, was it intended to be a statement? So if it's an out of court, check. Statement, check. Offered to prove the t- matter asserted, check. Is it hearsay? It's always hearsay, right, Tane? No, oh, hold on. Not so fast, my friend. The great
0: philosopher Lee Corso from ESPN Game Day said.
1: Not so fast, my little friend. Um, the great thing about our evidence rules is that they're codified. So take a look at the definition of, of hearsay under 801. And we talked about this earlier. 801D says that evidence not otherwise that otherwise would be considered hearsay, right? Because it's out of state, right. uh, out of court statement, off proof of truth, are subject to the following exclusions and conditions. And That's we've right. talked about this at our in our prior um, uh, episode about prior consistent and inconsistent, consistent statements, admissions with a party, appoint, a point That's a lot of peas. Admissions by a party Very opponent, illiterate. a party opponent. There we go. So, right. Tane, let's wallow around here a minute like a fat pig.
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry, man. You just made me lose it for a second here. All right. Look, logic tells you that an admission under this rule has to be a statement of the other party. You can't simply introduce prior statements that would line up with what was testified to here by your client. That would just be bolstering, and that's not allowed. Now, if they accuse your client of recent fabrication or of being inconsistent in his or her testimony, then you could use the prior statement as a prior consistent statement, but not until the attack is made. You can't be you know peremptory or preemptive in 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 going out out and and putting that in remember the reason for the hearsay rule in the first place is you cannot cross examine a declarant who is not present making that statement in court well you can just never cross examine yourself also So you're going to have to eat whatever words you have previously uttered.
1: Same with statements. You're stuck with that. Yeah, that's right. Same with statements of any of your agents or employees. You're going to have to be responsible for those statements as well. And they're not considered hearsay. They are out of court statements offered to prove the truth of the matter. Asserted. Yes. But for policy reasons, we have excluded them from that definition. And then co-conspirators would be included with that large uh, umbrella of agents here. But more on that on another episode. You know, if it's not hearsay and it doesn't fall within the exclusions of the hearsay rule, then you never reach the exceptions under 803, 804, and 807. If we can help you get there, it's not an exception if it's the party's own statement. It's not an exception if it's an agent statement or a co-conspirator statement. It's just not hearsay. Don't treat those hear- those statements as hearsay at all.
0: So let's go back to the social media that you're ruling on. Um, If that social media you're ruling on is like most that I've seen in court, it will be the Facebook page of the opposing party. That's what what we normally see. If you get into a more rare case where there is an attempt to introduce a Facebook post by a non-party, you will likely end up in the exceptions of 803, 804, and 807. But because we have an entire episode dealing with the most common hearsay exceptions as a part of this series, and because we know you're not going to reach the exceptions in our My Girl Facebook post in our running example, then we're not going to address those exceptions here. We've just got some other things waiting for you in another episode of the Good Judgment Podcast.
1: The form of the evidence, best evidence rule, rules 1001 through 1008, things you don't really remember from law school, whatever you want to call it. At one point in time, that was a huge thing. And it can be huge if you're dealing, if the authenticity of the will or the contract, and is that your signature? Is that not your signature? Has it been forged? If that's relevant, then maybe you're going to have a serious conversation about this. For 90% of all other evidence, this is not even a speed bump, really. The law requires some evidence, the, the, the level of evidence required to overcome and best evidence objections incredibly low. If you have a case, like we said, that, that that's relevant, then maybe. Otherwise, move along swiftly in this analysis and carry on. I know we already mentioned this, Tane, but you cannot introduce the cell phone, the laptop, the iPad, and the evidence. When the party tries to hand you that phone and ask you to take, look, what they posted. Can you believe this, Judge? Aren't you outraged? Politely decline. Explain you can't send that phone to the Court of Appeals. It's going to happen weekly, Tane.
0: Oh, at least, yes. (laughs) And, you know, most often the party has performed some sort of a screenshot of the Facebook post and figured out a way to print it onto some sort of old school paper, you know, the old-fashioned way. Uh, So for this episode, let's assume that the wife has taken a screenshot of the husband's Facebook post, and that is what's tendered as Exhibit 3.
1: Now, take a quick look at 24-10-1002, and that may make you a little wary. One thousand two says to prove the contents of a writing, recording, or photograph, the original writing, recording, or photograph shall be required. So when somebody throws the book down and drops the mic and does all that other stuff, and they say, "See, it, it requires the original," you say again, like Lee, Lee Corso, "Not so fast, my little friend." And look at <laughs> rule one hundred three, a thousand three, excuse me.
0: That's like that's right. Look, there's more. In Rule 1003, a duplicate shall be admissible to the same extent as an original unless, and there are a couple of uh, caveats, a genuine question is raised as to the authenticity of the original or a circumstance exists where it would be unfair to admit the duplicate in lieu of the original.
1: Now, it's beyond frustrating, Tane, and I think you talked about this when we recorded some other episodes When they say best evidence rule when it comes to photographs, because they look they look at that definition of an original and they say, see, the photographer's not here. By golly, that's not required. The definition of rule 1001 is that the original of a photograph, so the definition of what is an original photograph, it includes a negative. You're if you're going old school like Tane used to always do, any print made from that negative. But if the data That we're talking about is stored on a computer, I don't know, like an iPhone, any printout which is shown to accurately reflect the data stored on that computer is an original. So you don't even get to that. It is the original when you take your phone and somehow print the photograph you took with your iPhone. Well, think about it. That makes perfect sense
0: because Technically, the original is a series of, you know, ones and zeros in the code or it's, you know, electronic pulses or it's, you know, something dots you know matrix of dots in a, in a digital photograph. So it's really the original would be of no use to us. Ex- uh, in,
1: in exactly. If you
0: defined it that way.
1: So it really is an authentication issue when people start saying that the best evidence rules should prevent you from introducing this because you don't have the actual photographer, that is simply not a requirement. If you want to get down and dirty with it, there is a case or two on this that says the video or photo is admissible where the operator of the machine has produced it testifies or anyone who personally witnessed the thing being recorded testifies. Come on, folks. You just put the guy on the stand and say, you seen this video. Is this accurate? Reflect what happened? Yep. Bang. We're done. We move along. <laughs> you like my, yeah. my, oh. my sound effects. Yeah, I do. That was really good. We should record that.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, How about the exception of, but judge, that really hurts my case. Cause that's about as effective as the, you don't have the photographer here. So that's anyway, really what they're, uh, that's, that's really cool. what they're saying. Yeah. All right, let's move along and let's talk about rule 403. And as we've told you in other episodes, you have to do a rule 403 analysis it really in, in in most cases where you've you've gone through the applicable rule and you've decided, okay, well it looks like it's admissible under this rule. Now we move to 403 and we determine the the last step of the the last piece of the puzzle, the last step in the chain. And uh, and Wade, what does 403 require?
1: Basically, now, 403, we're going to tell you that that it is incredibly rare. You should be, at least, incredibly rare to use 403 as a sword. Rather, it should be a shield. But let me tell you, it says that 403 says if relevant evidence, it may be excluded if its probative value is substantially outweighed by the danger of unfair prejudice, two words I want you to underline: substantially and unfair. And we're going to get to that in just a minute.
0: It, so wait, isn't that my objection? But judge, that hurts my case.
1: That's exactly what that is. <laughs> four or it's three, a four should, or three objection. You're gonna if you want to find the cases that tell you you should use this rarely. Understand, we have got them in our outline. Team, where can they find that outline? GoodJudgePod.com. Correct. That's GoodJudgePod.com. It should be used sparingly, but frankly, there is a logical reason behind this. This is conceitedly relevant evidence. We've already decided it's relevant. We want relevant evidence in. Remember 402? We want to keep out irrelevant evidence and we want to admit relevant evidence. This is allowing you to exclude relevant evidence. Now, Tane, do you see that we on the page 16 of this, of this outline that we're making available to everybody? There's a second sentence in that Lowry case that really comes from olds. I think that's worth reading. Yeah, sure. It says, uh, Relevance
0: and probative value are related but distinct concepts. And then it says, Relevance is a binary concept. Evidence is relevant or it is not, but probative value is relative. Evidence is relevant if it has, quote, any tendency to prove or disprove a fact, whereas the probative value of evidence derives in large part from the extent to which the evidence tends to
1: make the existence of a fact more or less probable. And one of the reasons that we talked about this, and we talked about relevant evidence in a prior episode, Tane, where we talked about, you know, how relevant is relevant. I do. I do get it. Relevance is really, you, you it either is or it isn't. Mm-hmm. probative value is on a sliding scale you 403 it favors admissibility but you should be asking the question whether that evidence substantially probative value is substantially outweighed by the danger of unfair prejudice you perform this 403 analysis last in our in our suggested outline for judges because you've already determined it's authentic. You've already determined it's relevant. You've already determined that it is not hearsay or it comes within an exception. All evidence that is relevant is somewhat prejudicial. That sounds like a bold statement, but it is. Or else it wouldn't be relevant. It proves something. <laughs> or yeah, else it's, it's
0: prejudicial not. to one party or the other.
1: What we're trying to prevent is unfair prejudice. And there's actually some cases that talk about that here in the outline. So... Tain, you have now decided that 403, well, I can't really get there on this whole uh, substantially outweighed by danger of unfair prejudice. Give everybody the rest of Rule 403 because this is overlooked.
0: Yeah. So it says relevant evidence may be excluded if its probative value is substantially outweighed by the danger of unfair prejudice. Confusion of the issues. This is a ne- another element unfair prejudice confusion of the issues or or misleading the jury or by considerations of undue delay waste of time or needless presentation of cumulative evidence so these are other reasons why you might determine that even though it's otherwise relevant it couldn't or shouldn't be introduced
1: into evidence this is the dead horse rule if it is sufficiently beating beaten We've got to give the judge something in his or her toolbox to be able to stop admittedly relevant evidence from coming in. We just don't need 8000 people to establish this very small fact. Now, maybe it's it's important. It's a big fact. It's really in dispute. Okay, then you can call additional evidence. But if we don't give you some way to stop it, this would just keep coming in. And you just have to say, well, I think it's really beating a dead horse, but it's relevant and it's not substantially outweighed. But this allows you to do that. okay? so this is just another tool in your toolbox, judge, that lets you sort of control the admission of evidence. Now, Tane, I know you did this when you were a lawyer, lawyer. You went and you tried to stipulate something to prevent a party from being able to introduce evidence on that point. You can do that, right?
0: Uh, No, the party doesn't have you can. But the party doesn't have to accept your stipulation.
1: So if you want a case on that, it's in our outline. It's, excuse me, it is in our outline. Now, the appellate courts say that a part of that 403 analysis should include an acknowledgement of whether that point being made is in controversy. For example, if the probative value is pretty low because everybody has admitted that you are at fault for the wreck, Presenting a lot of evidence on the facts of the wreck is probably going to be you can exclude it, Judge, under 403. If the issue is controverted, it is, is is in controversy, I guess the probative value is high, but that that probably needs to be a part of your 403 mantra when somebody's trying to stipulate something. You can't make them take it, but you can probably limit the amount of information that comes in over it.
0: Yeah. And we've all seen that. You know, the lawyer is is so entrenched in their case that when the party says, look, we've already admitted that they still just insist on going ahead and proving that point with witness after witness. It's like, didn't they already admit that?
1: Yeah, but they they wrote it on their pad, judge.
0: And when they write it on on the pad, pad, they
1: have to say that.
0: And I have the order of my witnesses and I cannot deviate from that. So, yeah, it's on the pad.
1: So, yeah. folks, it may not believe that we actually did an episode on social media here because we didn't talk a whole lot about social media. Frankly, it was just a way for us to sort of reinforce this whole follow and trust a process argument. We just want to re- reinforce that for you, that if you have a process that prevents you from overlooking 403 when nobody's really saying 403 and then the appellate court said, oh, you didn't say anything about 403. Well, it's part of our mantra. We carry on. Yeah. So.
0: Folks, we don't say it often enough. But first of all, thanks to you as our listeners. And also thanks to everyone who has reached out to us at goodjudgepod at gmail.com. We've received some really great ideas. And as Wade and I want to do, we've stolen all of them and incorporated them as our own on this podcast. So if you hear something that sounds really familiar that you sent and ask us to do an episode on, We're just going to take credit for it, folks. But thanks for reaching out to us at goodjudgepod at gmail.com.
1: You know, you too can have these two yahoos discuss an issue you want us to discuss. You want us to discuss. But you know what? We can't read your mind, can we, Tank? That's right.
0: So let us know what you want to hear, folks. And and please go to our website at goodjudgepod.com and get the uh, episode notes from this and all of our other episodes. Because... They might actually make clear what it is that we said in the podcast.
1: Folks, thanks for listening to the Good Judgment Podcast. And as we leave out this afternoon, let's have Tane. Tane, sing us out with some more My Girl, would you?
0: My Girl, My Girl, talking about My Girl, My Girl. Ooh.
1: Well, folks, that's all we have for another exciting and enthralling topic here on the Good Judgment Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Good Judgment Podcast. This project was the brainchild of Mr. Doug Ashworth, the executive director of ICJE. Thanks and appreciation to the entire
0: University of Georgia College of Law for assisting in our recording.
1: Thanks to Mr. Stephen Turner and his company, Turner Up Media who helped edit out some of our stupidity and awkwardness.
0: But nobody can get it all.
1: Tain and I are eternally grateful to the Council of Superior Court Judges who allow us to lead new judge orientation for the Superior Court Judges across Georgia.
0: Thanks to our NJO graduates who've been willing to help with this podcast series.
1: You know that these are our opinions, and they do not reflect the opinions of ICJE, CSCJ, the University of Georgia College of Law, or anybody else for that matter.
0: You can contact us at goodjudgepod at gmail.com for any praise, but please contact someone else with any complaints.
1: But seriously, we would love to have your feedback, both good and bad. Send any comments to goodjudgepod at gmail.com. You've been doing a great job doing that. We really appreciate the help.
0: You can also visit our website at goodjudgepod.com for outlines and more details about our podcasts. Once again, I'm Wade Padgett. And I'm Tane Kell. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Good Judge Men Podcast.